What have we learned from all that happened this year? And what does it allow us to predict for the new year? I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Thank you for following here at the Chris Cuomo Project. Thank you for joining our Substack. Ad-free, more access to me of a more personal, professional nature, more for seekers. Uh, if you want to do that, we're going to be building a Cuomunity, although it's really about you, not Cuomo. And thank you for checking out News Nation, 8 and 10 p. Eastern, every weekday night. Thank you very much. It's building. It's building because of you. And I dig that. Being independent. Wear your independence. Check out the free agent merch. We're going to put the money together. We're going to give it away. Greg says we have enough. I want it to be more. We'll discuss. Uh, so I have enlisted the guys, Greg and Amrish, to go through some of the big things that happened this year. And I will say what they tell us about what's going to happen next year or this year, depending on when you're watching. Go. Well, this is this might be the biggest thing that happened last year. Let's start with that. The Chinese spy balloon that drifted over the continental United States and part of Canada. Mm. What, are, what are your thoughts on, uh, on how that all unfolded and what that pretends for 2024? More balloons? More spies? One, what did we learn? Government doesn't have it together. Who knew what that was? When did they know? How was it communicated? What was the decision structure? Why did it matter? Uh, or did it matter that it was from China? Would it have been different if it were from somewhere else? Those were all the key questions. We got answers to very few, okay? Do I believe that it was a Chinese spy balloon? Yes. Do I believe what I've heard from certain sources, uh, my own and others, that this was sent to be an awkward and an obnoxious and obvious thing, uh, and that maybe they send them all the time, but in much more surreptitious form and fashion? Yes. Do I believe that we get baited by China, Iran, Russia, even North Korea, and some ancillary actors on a regular basis? Yes. Do I believe that we give as good as we get, but no one talks about it? Yes. Because when you talk to people from those other countries, they say, oh, you're worried about hacking in your election, but you don't think you hack in ours? And I was like, wait, what? That was like 15, uh, 17 years ago. So what does it tell us? Get ready for more, my brothers and sisters. You're going to see a lot more interactivity of spy games going on in this election year. Some will be online, some will be fake and used out of convenience or to scare you or to shape you. But this year is going to be the year of espionage because of the election year. And it's going to be state actors, but also private actors and political actors. Every, you are going to not know who's coming at you from where or what, and it's going to be a time for everyone to be careful, to double-check your sources, to be careful before you believe things, and on my side of the ball, to be very careful about making judgments and statements about what we think we know. So piggybacking off of things that we see in the sky, Congress mm -hmm. this summer had those big UFO hearings. Mm -hmm. You've been covering UFOs a lot on the program. Uh, Ross Coulthart, when he was on the program, uh, when you interviewed him, he predicted a uh, some sort of Biden October surprise mm -hmm. in concert with the Schumer legislation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if you could talk about the impact of the hearings and what you see happening next year in this space. Respect Ross, 
like having him on the podcast, like having him as a partner at News Nation. He knows a lot more about this than I do, has much better sourcing than I do. And I understand that the momentum of having the actual head of the Democrats in the Senate pushing legislation, working with a Republican out of South Dakota or North Dakota or whatever it was to get a bill going uh, is momentum. The hearings is momentum. The, um, what do they call them? Whistleblowers are momentum. It sounds like we're going to get more. And that takes us to the prediction, which is no, it's not going to happen. I'll tell you why. There is no advantage in the UAP issue for one party over the other. It's good that there's bipartisanship. There should always be. Cooperation should be the way. But it isn't because there's no advantage in it. And nothing's going to happen on UAPs unless it leaks to someone like Ross Coldheart because they're not going to do it. The reason you don't see the big names in politics latching onto this, even though it's one of the few things that unites left and right with the reasonable about what we expect from our government, which is transparency, if they don't see advantage in bringing the other side down, they're not going to mess with it. And I don't think we're going to get the satisfaction we want. Let's back up to earlier this year. Uh, one thing that happened that you've covered a lot is the East Palestine train derailment. I'm wondering if you have any insight into how that situation is currently unfolding and whether or not you think everything will be resolved or at least making progress towards making these families you know, whole again. And if you think it's going to be an issue in the election coming up. Uh, no, it's not going to be Flint, Michigan. It's not going to get to that critical mass because it was weaponized by the right and the left has more control over the media narrative. And these people, it's not poor black people and it doesn't play as much into the idea of systemic disfranchisement of minorities. Most of the people there, of course, they're black people in East Palestine, but it's a largely white community and a red community. And I think that mattered. Um, I also don't know that we have the same degree of trouble there that we had in Flint. We'll see. But the answers will come slowly because there's no rush to get them. And we're in this odd situation where the people who created the problem are in charge of fixing it, which is really tricky from an oversight perspective. The only thing I can guarantee is that News Nation will be back in East Palestine. And we're going to find things that will remain beyond a curiosity and to a certainty that you wouldn't want in your house or your neighborhood. So, going back to aliens, do you remember that in Mexico City, someone presented two little alien mummy bodies? Yes. What are your thoughts on that? And as far as the future goes, do you think this is something that's going to happen more regularly? Uh... I've always found it interesting that most alien activity seems to happen in America. It does seem like it's a pretty big planet yeah. and they must be finding stuff other places. Uh, I Look, here's how I feel about it. Uh, I don't buy the mummies. Um, do I think there'll be more fake shit? Uh, yes, there's, there's a preponderance. The, the more we need to feed the beast of digital media, the more stupid avenues will go down. Now, hold on. It's not necessarily these mummies are fake. They, they are, they're believed to be mummified remains of, yeah. of an ancient people. Yeah. So the remains of certain people, I don't they, they know. might not be aliens. I don't think they're aliens. I don't know that they're real mummies. I don't know that they're remains of real people. I don't know any of those things. I'm just saying I don't believe, uh, and that's okay. We should be in the skepticism business. It's very different than cynicism, unless you're talking about Diogenes and where he came at it from an original purpose of social criticism, which I respect. Do so, you live in a barrel? 
Um, he lived in a lot of weird places, slept on benches and dressed like a vagrant because that was his point, was that I reject your norms. I reject your values. They also called him the dog. And I believe cynicism in an ancient Greek extract has something to do with the word dog because they lived like dogs. Anyway, um, I think there will be more curiosity. I am totally open to the possibility, the arrogance that comes with saying, no, there's no other life. Where are they? Uh, as Mr. Fermi asked, uh, the, the father of the nuclear reactor, where is everybody if there are more people on the planet? That's not satisfying to me. I'm open. Do I believe that they are here and among us? No, I don't. Why? Because I have no reason to. But the overarching concern for me has been the same all along. The government gets our money and the agency of power from us, and they should be held to account by us and to us. What do you know? Why are you spending all this money? Why do you classify all this information? At least speak to our representatives. There will be more of that. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And it's the deliverability. It's just a scoop and a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want. And boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. Let's bring it over to something slightly different. So do you remember earlier this summer when those con giant Canadian wildfires wafted over yes. New York and the other states and such. I feel like this is such a, this is such an important issue to me, just climate change in general. I'm wondering if you can speak to the, the likelihood that this is going to continue to happen. Like, I don't need, I, I don't understand how you can put this genie back in the bottle and pre prevent these massive wildfires. And that cop 28 conference is going on right now mm -hmm. where they're all meeting in, uh, what is it? Dubai. And they were trying <laughs> the fossil fuel companies were like, yeah, let's not get rid of fossil fuels. It's I'm wondering if we can speak to like the effect the climate is having, especially on the on the US here on the East Coast. We don't often see, you know, the types of smoke, you know, that we see in California or something. The big problem is the issue has been politically weaponized. And once something passes through that meat grinder and it gets looked at through the aperture of partisan preference, you're fucked. And it's no longer going to be about collaborating in anything cooperative, you know, to get to a better place. If you're on the right, you're going to believe it's exaggerated and it's not a big deal. Even though there's this weird conflation with that dismissive attitude and the fact that you have so many sportsmen and fishermen and other outdoorsy people uh, on the right. And then on the left, you're going to see it everywhere and think you need an electric vehicle. Um, what do I believe? I believe 
when you have a problem, you do everything. So what does that mean? Don't run away from fossil fuels. Use fossil fuels. Find ways to make fossil fuels uh, used more efficiently. So you have to use less of them. Um, And build up your base of non-fossil fuels that you can source in a way that isn't worse than what you're doing with the fossil fuels, that can be as widespread and as adaptable as the fossil fuels, and that isn't just some kind of scam for the government. Do everything. Because the idea that we're all an EV away from being a better place, we don't even have the grid infrastructure to support it. I had an electrician at my house. I think I told you guys this. And he said, you know, if everybody on your street had a Tesla, there'd be a brownout uh, because the, the grid's not set up for it. We have a lot of work to do to get to a quick solution. So I believe you do everything. You need coal, fine. You want to reduce your dependency on it, fine. But it's got to be cost-effective, make sense, be as efficient, and be as useful. Do everything. Don't just think certain things have to die so that you can feed other industries. Do everything. Throw everything out it. Do a lot more research so we can keep having the conversation of what the facts are for people. Because right now, we're nowhere near where we need to be in terms of getting to a better place. And you have all these other countries in the world that aren't doing shit. And that's another problem, that United States has all these burdens on it, but China's not doing anything. India's not doing anything. And it's like their populations are so much bigger than ours that whatever we're doing, they're canceling out. Well, there was a big climate study that came out that said, if you get rid of China and India, hey, we actually have a net decrease in emissions. It's like, Get rid of China and India. Like <laughs> that's like these these two giant nations with most of the world's population. It's like, oh yeah, if you if you cut out, you know, half of us. You know and, what I mean? Like and look, it feeds into the American conundrum, which is we want to be seen as the greatest, but we don't want to do anything for anybody else until we take care of ourselves. And that's a growing sentiment. Uh it was a little bit Uh, I believe, exaggerated and perverted uh, in the first Trump administration with the America First agenda. Look, you have to be involved around the world. There's too much risk and there's too much opportunity left on the table if you're not. You got trade partners, you got markets, you got things that we need. Um, But this is one of the aspects of that conundrum where, so you want America to do all this shit, make life more and more expensive, and they're not doing anything? No, thanks. And you got to remedy that. Same thing with NATO. Same thing with defending places around the world. Of course, America is going to carry a bigger burden, but the sharing has to change to benefit uh, America's interest as well. Well, then along those lines, staying in the the realm of international affairs, can you speak to what you saw unfold in Ukraine this year and how you see how you see that war effort playing out into into 2024? It's not going to end. And what's going to happen is, I believe the international community is going to do Ukraine what it's about to do to Israel, which is say, uh, you're going to have to take an L here. For this to end Ukraine, you're going to have to give Russia certain properties that it's sitting on right now. Now, I totally get that my friends from Ukraine and different people who are covering it are going to respond to me and say, that will never happen. Even for you, that was dumb. You heard a hundred times over, we will never accept. I know, I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you want this. I'm saying there will be pressure that this has to end. It's too expensive. It's too long. You're never going to win. It's going to stop at a stalemate. And Russia is going to wind up winning 
by default because it's going to get lands that don't belong to it. I see the same thing in Israel, but it's much more complicated. In Israel, you have Hamas on one side, which is a terror organization. You cannot have a self-sustaining democratic state with a terror organization at its head, okay? No country that has any sense of self-protection or respect is going to be at peace with a terror organization, okay? Especially one that has sworn to continue to attack you. Now, on the Israeli side, you do not have a terror organization, but you have somebody who is terrified of Hamas in Bibi Netanyahu, who is not a big fan of a two-state solution, who has a lot of people as ministers in his government who are not in step with the Israeli people. And this was true before the war. Hamas, and I know this funds, this fuels conspiracy theories that I have no reason to believe, that Netanyahu, yes, this was the worst thing that ever happened because it happened on his watch and he was supposed to be the security guy. And yet it's what kept him in power because what he was trying to do to the courts and the nature of the toxic conservatism in his government and the ministers and how out of step they are with the Israeli people, he should have been gone already. So you can't get to a better place with Hamas and I'm not equating the two, but Israel is not being led right now by someone who reflects how Israelis felt at least before October 7th. So those two things have to change for you to get to a better place. And I don't see it happening. All I see is on pressure on Israel to pull back. And when they do, if Hamas hits them again or Hezbollah hits them, then what? When it turns out that the aid that's supposed to be going to people in Gaza is not being responsibly distributed because there's a terror organization that steals shit, then what? It's easy to say ceasefire. Then what? And the idea, well, it's better than this. No, because it could lead to worse. Because you're going to now have a chance for there to be more provocation and more justification. And I'm telling you, the United States wouldn't have a ceasefire right now. And you can say, well, we did wrong things also. And okay, Russia wouldn't. Okay, the UK wouldn't. Okay, we're asking Israel to do something. Oh yeah, but they've done enough. I'm telling you, you guys did not see the reality after 9-11 and what happened in Iraq and in Afghanistan. And had we had social media then and been seeing as much stuff as we're seeing now, I don't know that you'd feel the same way. Not to mention you have a very different concentration of humanity in Gaza. You got millions of people in a small space and a lot of them are young and they're paying a price that they shouldn't have had to pay. That's on Hamas, it's on Israel, but you wanna do a but for analysis, but for October 7th, you're not here. Does it have to stop? Yes, but that's easy to say because what comes next has to matter. And I don't believe we're gonna get to a better place anytime soon. Uh, one more question for uh, 2023. So in the year of 2023, we had a, a cultural phenomenon of sorts happen. Uh, did you watch the Oppenheimer movie? I did. Did you watch the Barbie movie? I did not. Okay. So there was a there's a thing. It's a, uh, what's the term for Barbenheimer. Portmanteau. There you go. Portmanteau of, of it, Barbenheimer. The Phenomena of two things on the polar opposite becoming thrown together like that. I, I, I'm very curious on what your thoughts are. Um, first of all, I, I, I think that, I think several things. <laughs> first, I think that it wasn't accidental. Okay. Okay. There was no one that just um, strung this along. And um, 
I want to be careful about this. I'm not saying that it was manipulated because they're different. They were different um, companies, yeah. right? Uh, right. It, w- it wasn't Oppenheimer and Barbie. I don't think were both Universal yeah, Time Warner. One one was Warner Brothers. Barbie was Warner Brothers, and Oppenheimer was Universal Pictures. So they're different ownership companies, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think that there was some orchestration going on there because the thing makes no sense. And you say, you know, portmanteau, blending the sounds and combining the meanings of two others. Um, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a- Are you calling this into question? Um, no, but I'm saying that the blend, a portmanteau is something that's done because it makes sense. This did not make sense. And what I'm saying is I think there was something opportunistic about it. But I also thought it was proof of two things. One, we were desperate to get back to the movies. Mm -hmm. And since COVID, there really hadn't been like a rush to get back. And I believe that this kind of blew that open. Now, I don't know that it sustained after that. I also think that you were dealing with a real head and heart situation here. We were dealing with potential and are dealing with potential existential crises with what's happening in Ukraine and with Russia and what's going to happen with China and Iran. I mean, there's a big, heavy, dangerous situations. And it all starts and ends with what happened in World War II and the decision to create a weapon that would end all wars. And the people who created it, I don't think knew that that's what they were doing. They were kind of geeking out on their scientific ability, whether it was Fermi uh, being brought in um, by Oppenheimer to uh, do the Manhattan Project and what they thought they were gonna do and how it would be used and would just be a deterrent. And then if you watch the movie that flies by, even though it's long, and you see this parallel storytelling that Chris Nolan does in it, uh, that is of course fueled by Murphy as Oppenheimer, but also and shockingly by Robert Downey Jr. as his nemesis, Strauss. But it's really nemesis because it's this parallel track of the power structure and what it was supposed to take and who was supposed to be relevant and why. And and all of this was getting exploded, pun intended, uh, by what Oppenheimer was doing. And that is so relevant to now. We're going to wind up there. We're going to wind up there with nuclear weapons. Who's going to use it? Who's going to use the deterrent? And why? Why do you think Iran is so desperate for nukes? You know, mm-hmm. why? Why is North Korea? Because you get legitimacy all of a sudden. We have to be taken seriously, right? So you had that movie, which feeds that. And then you had Barbie. Which you didn't see, so. But people around me saw it. And look. Are you shocked that I didn't see a Barbie movie? I don't, I don't know. I thought you, you have two daughters. I thought you'd maybe go so and enjoy they, it. So they saw it. They actually saw it together, I believe, uh, at least once. And it fed our need for the fantastical and to see our imaginations brought to life. And this was, by all admission, you know, by all accounts of what I've read, Uh, this female director really stepping into the shoes of uh, Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman, as really driving the narrative and being at the forefront of stimulated storytelling and good good for her because I, I love the idea of girl power, especially in a girl power movie. But it had something else. It was a different way to look at a lot of the culture crises that we have. What is feminine, what is not? Who has the power, who doesn't? What should it be, what shouldn't it be? 
And it played on those. And I thought it was very rare to have a pairing of movies that play to such bigger issues in different ways. Barbie did it in fun, digestible, silly ways, and Gosling's got great apps. And Margot Robbie is gorgeous. Uh, and it's, that's entertaining and appealing, makes sense. Uh, however, I gotta say, the idea that in terms of who should be rewarded with what, Nolan's movie, Move the Needle, if you saw it, and if not, you should. It will move the needle in terms of how you view threats and responsibility on major state actions, where we got to think. I was in a deep, deep uh, hole after that movie about, oh man, I got to shift my perspective on what kinds of questions I'm asking and why and can't be playing with this shit. And Gosling was great, but to compare him to Robert Downey Jr. in terms of the impact on a movie, I've watched clips of him. He's a great actor. I love Ryan Gosling. I can honestly say every time I see him play something different, I'm like, wow, he's great at this too. This guy can sing. He can dance. He's a tough guy. You know, he's a sweet guy. He's a lover. He's funny. I think it's all amazing. And he has that discipline to train his body and get into great shape. But do not compare the impact of Ken in that story <laughs> with Robert Downey Jr. as Strauss in that movie. Uh, he, that is a generational film. Um, and I'd be shocked if Downey isn't at the top of all the award lists. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Done With Debt. Let me tell you, we're all dealing with it, especially in American culture, right? Because we're so credit sensitive. We have so much available credit. People take advantage of it. Often it takes advantage of them. High interest credit cards are real. Loans make it nearly impossible to pay off your debt. Inflation keeps just taking away what you can pay, keeps you stuck in almost a paycheck to paycheck existence. Done with debt can be a lifeline. Done with debt has this ingenious new system that gives you a way to deal with debt faster and easier than you probably thought possible. See, Done With Debt analyzes all the debt options that you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills, cut interest rates. They have a skilled staff of negotiators that know how to get debt out of your life, ready? Permanently. Done With Debt has a bunch of experts. They've been doing this and they know the best strategies to reduce and remove debt from your life. But you gotta hurry because some debt solutions are time sensitive. Here's how easy they'll make it. If you go to donewithdebt.com, that's donewithdebt.com, right? D-O-N-E-W-I-T-H-D-E-B-T.com, you can find the answers to your debt problems. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And... It's the deliverability. It's just a scoop and a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want. And boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. 
I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. We didn't get to everything. Obviously, a lot of things happened in 2023. Yes. Twitter melted down. We had... uh, uh, the Kevin McCarthy uh, getting speaker after, what, 15 times, then they kicked him out. Uh, the labor movement was pretty big. Anything on any of that? Uh, here's what I think, okay? Um, we are going to have a year of potential flashpoints, okay? Now, I don't mean that to mean violence. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. But you have the new dividing line. Do we have racial issues? Yes. Gender issues? Yes. Wealth issues? Yes. Education issues? Opportunity issues? Yes, yes, yes. You have all of these things in a place that is conducting an experiment on diversity, where people who have no connection to each other other than a mutual understanding and respect for opportunity are going to clash. That has always been the American way. It will be the American way. This is Difficult. Nobody is doing what we're trying to do here. So it's not that we're post-race, post-gender, post-anything, okay? But there is a new dividing line in our society. And it is a throwback to the 1960s. And it's not just because we've seen things on campus. And we saw that in the 60s. Establishment versus anti-establishment and disruptor is the new line is the new dynamic. It will work for Trump. It does not work for the political parties. And that's why you see a splintering. That's why you saw what happened with McCarthy. It's not just the Tea Party redux. It's not. It's more than that. There are people who are desperate to reject. Oh, and then you have all your catchphrases, privilege, entitlement, empowerment, you know, All of those words are now bad words. The rich white male is a devil. I have it said to me all the time, and they don't even know. Sometimes they're supporting what I'm saying and telling me that as if that's that's what I want to be. You know, the rich part, not so much thanks to legal bills. But the idea that that's the root of evil in a country that is over half white, you're asking for torment. If you look for enemies, you will find them. If you look for trouble, you will find it. We are addicted to grievance and finding ways to divide. This is going to be a year of flashpoints because of the election. And it is going to be very ugly. And I am worried about it. And I'm worried about how to help influence it to your best interests and benefits. But this is going to be the line. Remember the longest word in the dictionary? Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Look at the history and etymology of that word. I'm going to write something about it and do something on it because that's what we're going to be into again, which is this conflict. It's as old as have and have not, right? But you're going to have people who are going to say, burn it down, essentially, okay? And that's going to be really attractive and appealing for people. Am I a burn it down guy? 
part of me feels like that. I have always felt, even though many of you will identify me as mainstream media, legacy, whatever you want to call it, I've always been coming from the outside in. I couldn't get a job. They didn't want me because of my family name. They thought I would just be in politics. Now they only want to hire you if you have a political inclination uh, or unless you have uh, some type of diversity uh, pedigree, which I do think should matter, by the way. I know, I know, meritocracy, but I think you can have both. Anyway, um, so I've always been fighting my way in. That's why I had to start at Fox, okay? And that's why, frankly, I'm at News Nation now. I'm fighting from the outside in. News Nation is not like other news organizations. And that's why they don't like it. And that's why they don't want to talk to you about it. That's why they hate that we got the Republican debate. They hate it. They don't like that we're standing in contrast to how other people give you politics. They don't like it. So this year is going to be a year of flashpoints where people are going to try to make the pitch to you that what is in control and how it's done right now is the problem. And that blowing it up and coming at it from a completely different direction, even if you have no experience and no plan, is a better plan than where we are right now. And I think it's going to be a tough ride. Last question. Do you have a prediction about the 2024 election specifically about who might win? Uh, not yet. I don't want to put you on the spot. I not just, yet. I, oh, I, mean, I have no problem being wrong. I mean, I, I was shocked that I was right about Trump in 2016. In fact, I sat right on this couch right here, watching the early returns, thinking I was going to go to sleep because I had to do like the 5 a.m. through my morning show and beyond shift. And like an hour into the coverage, I was, because I had been covering the Trump rallies and I was like, I've never seen anything like this. Boy, did we underestimate the grab of him as a celebrity. He wasn't being attended to as a leader. It was that he was a star and he hated the same people that they did. He was an agent for their animus. And I was like, boy, I, I really didn't know that that would work so well. It's very rare in America that it does at any large scale. And I said, this guy's going to win. Because, and obviously, I mean, the needle was never moving towards Clinton. He blew her the fuck out. Um, now, it's easy to say why afterwards. Do I feel the same way here? No. Now, no, because I don't know. I know what the polls say. The polls are meaningless. They're snapshots of a moment in time. Right now, he beat Biden. Biden's about as low as you can be. He's got to get out and start making his case. People can't make it for him. But I do believe right now that it's going to be Trump-Biden. And I do believe that Bobby Kennedy is going to stay in the race. And I am shocked. By the way, the idea that I'm like throwing it in for Bobby Kennedy, please, Okay. My brother was married to his sister for a bunch of years. I've known him a long time. He is, I, I, I like him, okay? Uh, do I agree with all his ideas? Absolutely not. Do I know that he's the right choice to be president? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying he deserves a chance to be weighed and measured by you. And I'm shocked by how high he's polling. And I think he's gonna be a factor. But I think that the way it is right now, I don't think Trump gets convicted. And I don't know that that's, a bad With thing. all the indictments, you don't think he's going to get convicted of anything? Before the election. Before the, sorry, I interrupted. And I don't know that that's a bad thing because I think we're fragile right now. And if he does get convicted and the people don't feel right about it, they're going to think you're stealing the election. For, you know, I think it could be problematic. No one's above the law. Look, I've talked to you guys about that a lot. I agree in principle, but it's not as simple as that either. And right now, I mean, the Democrats are like avoiding the, you know, the uh, elephant in the room, which is that Biden is suffering from a crisis of confidence with the American people. Is that right? Is that wrong? It doesn't matter what I think. It is. And it's on him to change it. 
So right now, it looks to me like it's going to be those two guys. And if they both win again, should Biden win? If I were looking at any of the historical precedents, yes, he should. Why? Find me how many first-term guys lose. And when they're not beaten by an issue as opposed to who it is that's running against them. And he's running against a guy who's ridiculously flawed. But these are not normal times. And I think the Democrats would have been better served with a primary. And I think that I'm hoping that one of the flashpoints is that you guys realize this two-party system, where'd this come from? Can we amend the Constitution? It's not in the Constitution. Well, can we change the federal laws that put this in as the system? There are no federal laws that put it in as the system. It's tradition, and it only works for the powerful, and it keeps you guys divided. And if we could get rid of it, or at least modify it with ranked choice voting, you would get more reasonable candidates, and you would dilute the fringe as it should be diluted because it is the minority of this country. You've given the minority outsized power. And it has to stop. So look, we've lived through a lot together and we got a lot to come this year. And I think some of it is going to be predictive of, uh, of really tough seas ahead. But that is the nature of the beast, and I'll be happy to be wrong. It would be great to be surprised by all kinds of birth of virtues that I don't see right now. But one thing I know for sure is we can watch it all together. Thank you for subscribing, following, being part of Substack so we can get more interaction with each other ad-free. I'll see you on News Nation, 8P, 11P, Eastern, every weekday night. Wear your independence. Don't be co-opted by parties. They are poison to progress. Be a free agent. Let's get after it.